You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Are you ready for some scalding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Misutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Hey, welcome to the latest Inside Purple and Gold. Chase Frederick, Dane Misutani here for Audacity's Minnesota Vikings podcast. Talking Vikings after the final preseason game. We're sitting here on Sunday, August 28, 2022. Less than 24 hours after this preseason finale and Minnesota lost. And I'll get to that. Actually, I do want to talk about that. Maybe even first here. The Vikings went 0-3 in the preseason. And we, we touched last week about how it had been kind of unimpressive with the depth. But, Dane, does it matter? Um, I'm always kind of intrigued by do preseason results matter, especially for teams like Minnesota that sit everybody. Um, and they, they play very few starters. Um, very few guys saw. There are plenty of guys who saw, like, no action. Um what do you think? Does does going 0-3 and is looking uninspiring for a month uh matter when none of the main guys are out there? I don't I don't think it matters like as far as the record goes. Like 0-3, who cares? Like I don't think the Vikings have won a game in like three preseasons, and it doesn't really matter. Like who cares that they didn't win a game? Like as long as they're ready come September eleventh. Like if they would have won one preseason game, but sacrificed like a starter to do it, like because they got hurt, like I think you feel worse heading into the the, the season. The only reason I think zero and three kind of matters is because you looked pretty uncompetitive in basically all three games, and that speaks to your depth. and And we've talked a little bit about that on 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 the podcast, but this team isn't very deep, and that that is evident when you look at the fact that against the Raiders, the 49ers and the Broncos last night, they fell short and they fell short pretty, you know, convincingly. Like they, they weren't very, I would say they weren't in many of the games. You know, I guess you could say the San Francisco game, but like they weren't very competitive in in, in these games. So I think that kind of speaks to your depth, but it, it doesn't really matter that they went 0 and 3 because as you mentioned, every starter rested. Um, I think they played the first team offensive line in the first game, but every important player rested like they should. Uh, so I don't like the preseason, as we've talked about, it's stupid. It doesn't matter at all as long as you get out of it healthy. Um, and that's what the Vikings did. So they might not have scored a win in, in, in the win column, but I think that's a win coming out of preseason that, that they're ready to go come here, come September 11th. They did escape with starters getting away without injury, um, and they did so by not playing anybody. So mm-hmm. took out all risk of the games. Obviously, practices, anything can happen there. But they did lose somebody who was going to see time. Um, in B.C. Johnson going down with an ACL tear, uh, it's been reported today, it is the ACL. Uh, Kevin O'Connell 
was pretty ominous in his post-game comments. But BC Johnson done for the year. Um, this was a guy who was going to make the roster. What's the impact of that, Dane? And I guess as we kind of look at the tough decisions of the 53-man that will come out on Tuesday, who do you think makes the team now that BC isn't on it? Yeah, that sucks for BC Johnson. Really because he tore, he tore his ACL last year, missed the whole year, like worked really, really hard on, on his recovery. And it's like a roster lock going into the final game that doesn't matter at all. And he tears the ACL on the other knee. Um, it speaks to the fact that you should not play important players in the preseason. I don't think BC graduated to to that level right. of importance. Agreed. So that's why he was playing. Um, but it's proof positive that that anything can happen in, in, in a game, especially when you step on a football field, you lose BC for the season. Who makes the team because of that? Like my gut reaction is, is a guy like Tristan Jackson. Like I had the Vikings keeping six receivers before BC Johnson got hurt. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, Amir Smith-Marset, Jalen Naylor, and BC Johnson. So that opens up a spot. Um, Tristan Jackson, I think has been the best receiver next, like you yeah, know, I agree. The, the seventh best receiver this preseason. Um, but you know, if, if the Vikings don't opt to keep six receivers, if, if they say, okay, we were going to roll with, with, with six, but BC got hurt. So we're just going to roll with five. I think that opens up a spot for, you know, T Y McGill, who we talked about as good as he's been this preseason. I think he's still a fringe guy. I think, he hasn't played a lot in his NFL career. So maybe that, that gives him, you know, a guaranteed spot or, or, or more of a chance to make the team because you lost, you know, a receiver you were definitely going to going to keep. So you know, there's like guys right on the bubble that if the Vikings decide, okay, we're going to just roll with five receivers for now. If something else happens on the road, we'll add another. I think that might speak and, you know, help, fringe roster guys like a T.Y. McGill, like a Blake Lynch, you know, a, a reserve linebacker that probably is going to make the team as special teams if he does. Just guys like that on the fringe. Um, if you just do the exercise of who was on the 53, most of the names are pretty common sense, right? Like everyone knows Ty Chandler's on the 53. Like I think maybe going into the preseason, you were like, is Ty Chandler good? Yeah, he's good. Three season, Three preseason games proved that he was kind of banged up in the second preseason game, but in the two that he's been healthy, like he's a roster lock and you can go position by position and do that. Um, but I think there's fringe fringe guys at like the inside linebacker position, perhaps the outside linebacker position um, that might benefit from a guy like BC Johnson being lost for the year. Yeah. And if you missed the preseason game last night, the Vikings lose 23, 13, there was really nothing to write home about. Um, we didn't, Nate Mullins didn't play. We knew that I think kind of heading into it, oh, Nick Mullins, I don't know why I called him Nate, um, but <laughs> Nick Mullins didn't play. So it was Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond both continue to be uninspiring, but I think we've spent just enough time on that. Uh, so yeah, you know, as you go through this 53 man roster, like 46, 47 guys are locks that literally any of us can pick out. Um, it is. It does come down to like those last five or six nitpicking this guy or this guy at this spot. Do you want to keep this many linebackers or do you want an extra defensive back? It all comes down to those types of things that, you know, I'm sure the coaching staff, the front office kind of sweats over um, over these last next two days here before the Tuesday cutdowns. When you were looking at it, mm-hmm. what were like the two or three most difficult decisions where you're like, I went with this guy over this guy. Um, which ways do you think the Vikings go in these really tough situations? Well, that, that 
kind of opens up the discussion because like, I think I went with Troy die over Blake Lynch. I didn't feel great about that, but like sure. as your fourth linebacker, I went with Troy die over Blake Lynch and had the Vikings just keep four inside linebackers. Troy die has not been super inspiring this preseason. I think he's actually been a little uninspiring. Yeah. It was a guy who heading into preseason, I would have said for sure, but the performance has been so poor that yeah. he probably pushed himself towards it. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think he probably holds on to it, but he definitely has put himself in a position to sweat. And that was probably one of the harder positions to pick, but I think like to what we were just talking about BC Johnson going down, maybe they both make it now. Maybe Troy right. die makes it as a backup linebacker and Blake Lynch, who's proven to be a good special teams or um, maybe he, he can sneak his way on the roster. I think that's something really that we tend to overlook when we do the 53 man roster exercise is like, it, they're not really as an NFL team. You're not, distinguishing your roster and who makes it by necessarily who would be the best backup or third stringer. It's right. who's going to contribute on special teams. And that's a lot of the guys that, that make it with the 52nd or 53rd spot on the roster. And, and Blake Lynch maybe does now because, because of BC Johnson, that was a hard thing for decision for me. I also, um, you know, there, there's Zach McLeod versus Janarius Robinson as, as an edge. And, and again, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds because these guys aren't going to play. But I, I had Zach McLeod making it over Janarius because of special teams. Um, you know, Janarius Robinson was a fourth-round pick last year. Um, so I, I could see why people just kind of shoehorn him into the team. Um, but Zach McLeod, if, if you watch the preseason games, played a ton of a ton of special teams. And he offers a little bit of, little bit of upside um, as a pass rusher off the edge. Those are two of the names, if we get really deep into the weeds, two of the positions that I think you know, were hard decisions for me. I think they will be hard decisions for, for Quasey and, and Kevin O'Connell. Um, but I, I do think that there's maybe some wiggle room here now that you lose a guy like BC Johnson, and, and maybe you just decide to go with five wide receivers um, for the foreseeable future. A couple other news nuggets we'll get to um, maybe from the game last night and then just the aftermath of the game. Um and then as we head into the final two segments of this show, it's really will be kind of time to look forward. Um, today we're going to look at kind of a, a point-counterpoint between just ourselves talking. Of uh, seg The next segment here will go with why the Vikings aren't going to have the year they envision. And then the final part will counter that and say, like, why things might break right for them. And this might be a really good team uh, this year. So looking at the two aspects of where things could go wrong and where things could go very right to lead to two different results, um, because multiple teams do always have multiple pathways and it kind of comes down to how things break. So we'll look at that coming up here, but first off um, let's, let's just circle back to Mullins not playing last night, Dane. Um, they, the Vikings go with Manning and Mond. Um, and maybe why that doesn't matter to me, I think, we knew that Mullins was going to be the backup quarterback regardless, but I mean, if, if the whole idea of it being a competition, I think we all knew that was a farce when mm -hmm. Kevin O'Connell said it, but the idea no, that no. they don't even need to see the reps in the game um, tells, I think all of us that indeed the decision was made when the trade was made. Yeah. I asked uh, Kevin O'Connell about that going into the, the, you know, I think it was Thursday after Thursday's practice or before Thursday's practice heading into the preseason game against Denver and, and he made it very clear, like, Nick Mullins has played three preseason games already. We don't need to see game reps. So that's kind of like them tipping their hand. Like, we saw everything we needed to say see in the three preseason games that he did play and the one preseason game that he did play against the Vikings. I think 
only bad things could have come out of playing Nick Mullins on Saturday night. Right. So I agree. It doesn't matter. Like what if he drops back and blows his knee out or gets rolled up on and, and has an ankle injury. That Sam keeps Darnold style. Like we saw with Carolina. Yeah, exactly. Like there's just no benefit to playing him from an injury risk standpoint, but also from like uh, putting him in a really bad position standpoint, like, he doesn't really know the offense. Like he's a professional backup quarterback. So he's, he's going to be able to acclimate pretty quickly, I think to learning this offense, but putting him in on three, four days, you know, on the team and having him go play game reps. I think that's a, a situation where he could look pretty bad. Maybe even like akin to a Sean Mannion or Kellen Mott where they look kind of uncomfortable. I think Nick Mullins could look, maybe worse than Mannion if you play him on Saturday night because he doesn't really know all the intricacies of the offense that these guys have been learning for the last, I guess, six weeks of training camp, but even OTAs, mini camps, all of that. Like th- Those things are going to come with time, um, but I just don't see the benefit in playing him, especially when you know it's not like this guy, you found him at a local high school throwing the ball around. Like He's played real NFL games. He's played real preseason NFL games in, in the past few weeks. He's, he's fine. He's ready to go. And I think him not playing is almost more of a, you know, indictment against Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond because it's the Vikings saying we don't really even need to see Nick Mullins. We know he's our backup quarterback. I think seeing another half of Kellen Mond on tape probably makes it even less likely that Minnesota would net a sixth or seventh round pick in return for him. Yeah. Um, I know just a third round pick from a year ago, generally there would be teams still intrigued by that, but I mean, he'll, I think he'll get picked up if and when Minnesota does indeed let him go. Um, but I don't think Minnesota is going to, there's going to be a trade market there. Uh, after the game, Kevin O'Connell did all but confirm um, that Ed Ingram will be the starting guard for this team over Jesse Davis. That's not a surprise, but to kind of hear O'Connell all but admit it, like it's trending in that direction. <laughs> Basically, yeah. like hey, if Ingram doesn't get hurt between now and the opener, then yes, he will be the starter. Um, it, that's not a surprise, but that's kind of locked in. Anything else that, jumped out nothing, you. nothing else really stood out except for the injuries that that happened last night you, you had bc johnson obviously we've talked about him troy die suffered a foot injury right it sounds like he'll be ready to go for week one ty mcgill you know the right. guy we've talked a lot about on this podcast suffered an ankle injury um sounds like it's like a pretty minor one maybe a couple of weeks maybe that the, hinders his ability to right. make the team like we don't know your best ability is availability if you're one of those rotational defensive linemen guys so a lot of news as far as injury goes to come out of last night. But like, I think the only thing we learned about, you know, starters, backups, whatever um, was the confirmation that Ed Ed Ingram's going to win that right guard spot. And like we talked about, Nick Mullins is probably going to be your backup quarterback. Yeah. Really? Like as we headed into this final two weeks, there was like no competition left, which was kind Mm -hmm. of, which is surprising for a training camp. And, but it led to last night being as inconsequential, frankly, as about any preseason game you're going to see. And it felt the same way, frankly, for Denver as well. Um, as far as like other teams really treated these as a dress rehearsal, neither Minnesota nor Denver did. And that's fine. Uh, nothing against those teams for doing that, but it made it really kind of a pointless competition. It was not worth watching last night. So if you missed it, you didn't. So it doesn't matter. If you missed it, you won. You won the night. (laughs) Um, Back with Inside Purple and Gold. 
Odyssey's new Vikings podcast. Jace Frederick, Dane Mizutani here. Uh, please follow, like, subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, any platform in which you listen to it. You can find this podcast regularly, so go ahead and, and hit the little bell to subscribe. Hit the plus to follow. Um, you know, we love we love having you listen to every episode, and that's the best way to make sure you get them all downloaded to your phone without having to go look for it. Dane, here we go. Like we are officially shifting. We are moving out of the preseason. We are moving into regular season preparation, mindset, all that stuff. So we let's look it. at yeah. We're going to go macro here to start. Um, let's look at this season from a perspective of. We're going to get to like what we think will happen. We'll get to like more predictions as we get like butt up right to that regular season opener against Green Bay on September 11th. But look, let's look at the different paths in which this team could travel this year. Um, mm-hmm. And and let's start out with the bad. That way we can finish on a high note towards the end of this episode. But we know like the Vikings have pretty high expectations, at least of being a playoff team at minimum. Um, contending for that and getting into that. I think we mm-hmm. all agree that if they don't, like this season will go down as a failure. Now exactly what? Should be considered a success. We will also discuss um, in the, within these next two weeks. But in what ways, because you have a team that missed the playoffs last year, um, and they certainly, you know, they brought in a new front office, new coaching staff, all of that. Some new pieces, not a ton. Uh, hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So there's always going to be some risk that maybe a team that isn't a playoff team is still not going to be a playoff team this time around. What is the path you think that is for this team failing and coming up short of their goal of being a playoff team? And I think being an actual threat when they get into the playoffs as well. I think it. if the season goes off the rails, it's going to be because of their offensive line. And it's going to be something that we've talked quite a bit about like seeing a problem that exists and then not going out of your way to fix it. Like Garrett Bradbury could be a hindrance on this team's success this year. And I, I think it's more likely than not that he will be. I think at some point you're going to have to, to, to address that. Um, he hasn't really shown at any point in his career that he can be that anchor, that pass blocking guy that you really need, you know, to anchor that pocket at the center position. I think it could be by maybe the first month of the season that we start to see Chris Reed. It seems like the Vikings wanted to work him into that role throughout the preseason, but he, he hurt his elbow. Couldn't do that. Um, I think if Garrett Bradbury is the starting center for 17 games, that could be an issue. I think unless he takes a giant leap, which we haven't seen, I think it's going to be an issue and it could go for the entire offensive line as a whole, like why this thing could go off the rails. But I think it's probably him 
who I'm most concerned about. Like, I guess you could look at a guy like Christian Darisaw. Is he ready to be a bona fide left tackle in, in the NFL? If he's not, you're probably going to give up a lot of sacks. You're probably not going to have a lot of time to throw the ball. Dalvin Cook's probably not going to have a lot of running lanes up the left side. If, if Christian Darisaw is, maybe, maybe you're fine. Um, but I, I think that's the top of, of my list of concerns when it comes to the Vikings this season is, is their offensive line good enough? Um, it hasn't been for the past couple of years and they haven't really done a lot to address it. Yeah. I'm with you in that there are questions and it could be good and it could be bad. And like, I actually look at, you know, a couple of reputable sites as far as, you know, football and analysis and it's, it's PFF uh, pro football focus on their sharp football analysis. Um, frankly, like PFF had, had the Vikings, I think in like June or July as the 19th best offensive line heading into this year. And I think that'd be great. Um, you know, if you can just have right. a middle tier offensive line, there are so many weapons uh, that this team should be pretty good consistently offensively throughout the year. Uh, but then you have like sharp football and it was this month and they ranked up like 26. And that I think is also a possible outcome because like you said, we don't know about Christian Derrissaw. Uh, in on the interior, you have Bradbury, you have Ingram also like, you know, Ingram is an unproven commodity and we're going to see how that plays out here. Uh, Bradbury is a proven commodity and that it's not very good. Uh, so like there are a lot of questions and an offensive line, as we've seen many times, uh, I think Sam Bradford's first season comes to mind in Minnesota. Like that can deteriorate a team. Like it can like, sink everything you're trying to do. If the offensive line is not good. Um, and we've seen that here multiple times. Uh, it, it can just, there are too many weeks where you can just lose on up front to the point where you can't do anything. And it does kind of render Kirk cousins, Dalvin cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, all moot. Like there are a lot of good weapons there, but they can frankly be taken out of the game because Minnesota can't get anything going. They can't get any push. They can't get any protection. Um, there if are you're there, going three and out every series. It, I mean, it doesn't matter if you have Justin Jefferson, it doesn't matter if he emerges as the, the best wide receiver in the league. If you can't hold your block and in, in the pockets collapsing around you, like none of that matters. So you're totally right. Like that, that can totally make a team kind of implode into itself over time. If you, if you have no time to throw the ball. I'm still like you talked about the offensive line. I'm still more concerned about the defense. Uh, this was like a bottom 10 unit last year. Um, and, and you can point at guys who they get like the Daniel Hunter, they get back. That's almost like a massive addition in that he's healthy and ready to go to start the year. You get Sedaria Smith, but like there are a ton of guys playing this year who were on this team last year and frankly just weren't good enough. Uh, they weren't the level of players that we were used to seeing them be in the past. Like we always like look up names. It's like, well, you've got Harrison Smith, you've got Eric Kendricks. Those guys weren't good enough last year. And so a lot of it comes down to, can these guys return to form? Uh, maybe guys who didn't play as well last year. Do they have enough talent on this team defensively? Uh, are they good set enough at corner? Because these are groups where the, the, the position groups don't look that different and they weren't good enough last year. Um, now you're switching to a three, four scheme. Maybe that helps, but there's also a transition there and you have to kind of account for that. I know like we've touched on it, the fact that they pretty much had it set uh, who the ones were and all these guys got all these reps. And so training camp, they should have been able to install and, and acclimate and adjust to a lot of things, but it's still like they're all going to get out there and really run it uh, without much preseason reps week one against Aaron Rodgers. Um, and if this thing gets off to a slow start, if it's kind of weird finding guys fits, if you see maybe they didn't fit as well, player A didn't quite slot into this 3-4 as well as you thought. Um, this was already a group that was poor. 
I could see it getting worse, frankly, um, because we talk about Daniil Hunter and Zedaria Smith being health question marks anyway. Like, how long can they hold up? They look good now. Uh, I, there are a lot of questions on that end of the ball, and I think I could see it being bottom 10 again, frankly, um, just because it doesn't look that different. And we don't know if 3-4 is going, you know, and Donatel's scheme is going to be like a snap your fingers, and there it is, okay? Now it's back to being a top 10 defense because it took a top 10-ish defense for this team to be like a playoff team in past years, and it wasn't mm-hmm. close to that last season. Yeah. And it's, it's always, I don't want to use the cop out of the season could go wrong if, if they get injured because like, obviously that's everybody. Yeah. But if the Neil Hunter or Zadarius Smith get injured, like the defense suffers because I think for most of the preseason and most of training camp, we've been saying kind of screaming uh, a big pass rush can, can make up for a lot of the defensive warts. To your point, the defense still has a lot of warts. Harrison Smith is a year older, yeah, and he's in the decline of his career. He's still probably a pretty good safety league-wide. I, I would say he's viewed as as a I don't know, top tier is even the right way to classify it anymore. But he's a respectable safety league-wide. League but he's a year older. Eric Hendricks is a year older. And you look at it across the board. Patrick Peterson is your number one cornerback. But he's not Patrick Peterson from when he was with you know, the Arizona Cardinals and and doing everything. He's in the twilight of his career, and he he's going to have to be the number one cornerback at all times this season. So, yeah, depth is a totally a concern, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, they need a good defense if they want to be a competitive team. Um, so, if we're pointing at a, at a couple of things that could make them not so competitive, I think defense makes sense. Uh, the last thing that could make the season if we're saying why will it go wrong, Kirk Cousins. And yeah. I, I, yep. I, you know, it, it kind of always starts and stops at Kirk Cousins. And I don't say this as, well, Kirk Cousins is going to be bad. Kirk Cousins is, is not a good quarterback. Like I, I think I've been pretty upfront with how I'm a Kirk Cousins critic, but also can, like, we got to criticize him for the right things. We can't just like criticize him for everything. He, he's been good at times. And and we have to kind of acknowledge that if we're going to acknowledge all the times he's bad. But I think there's just something polarizing about him, a lightning rod quality that what if him and Justin Jefferson start to beef? you know, like I'm, I'm just taking these imaginary scenarios down the road, but like there's proof of this happening. Like Stefan Diggs, I'm not saying Stefan Diggs and Justin Jefferson are the same person, but Stefan Diggs grew tired of Kirk Cousins not just giving him a chance, not throwing him the ball. And that became a huge issue that 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 bled into the locker room. And and I think as a whole, that kind of helped tank that season or on, on Stefan Diggs' way out of town, at least as far as potential goes. Uh, you know, for them being, you know, reaching their highest potential as a team. I think you could see something similar happen just because of who Kirk Cousins is as a, a leader of a football team. Um He's not for everyone, and I think we know that. Um, is he for Justin Jefferson? If he throws him the ball a lot and, and makes him the number one receiver in the league, then yeah, he'll be Justin Jefferson's cup of tea. But if Justin Jefferson feels like he's he can get to a, a level this season and Kirk Cousins is a reason he's not getting there, I think the thing could go up in flames. So maybe this is just my chance or I'm taking my shot at, at, at taking a shot at Kirk Cousins. But I think it's a real thing that the Vikings should have to worry about is this guy hasn't ever been good enough. 
and, and we want to get over the hump, what makes us think now is the time? Yeah, um, it is. When you don't have like a quarterback who elevates everything around you, then that is when everything has to go right for you to be like a high quality team. And Kirk still has never proven that he's an elevating quarterback. Um, he's proven that he can, he can do what is meant to be done. Like if the offensive line plays well enough and, you know, he has a great receiver, he, that receiver can look great with Kirk Cousins. Um, we've seen that, uh, you know, the offense that has a bunch of talent can perform with Kirk Cousins. But, you know, can you overcome a, a rough defense? Can you overcome a rough offensive line performance? And right now it's it's been no and no. And so now, like for Minnesota, you're kind of crossing your fingers that both things that you kind of patched up hold up. Um, and if they don't, then, yeah, you don't really have like that. Well, we have Kirk Cousins. He's kind of like our flex seal patch it up there. And, and the leaks, maybe they're still there, but they don't uh, sink the ship. Um, so that's a pretty big question mark. I, I want to look at the early season schedule just because this is a team that is with the new coaching staff, like Kevin O'Connell is doing new things offensively. You know, Donatello's doing new things defensively. It's Kevin O'Connell's first, you know, season as a head coach. So him, how is he going to manage challenges, timeouts, those kinds of things that can swing games. And it's early on, like you can kind of make or break. And we've seen rookie coaches have success. 100%. We've seen rookie coaches struggle. Um, and it's just kind of with all the new things going on, is Minnesota going to be able to come out of the gates hot? And I ask that because their early schedule is not super forgiving. Like it just in general, Minnesota's uh, strength of schedule is pretty middle, middle of the pack. But you start with Green Bay. And we'll touch on this like as we head into that week. But if you want to win the division, it's really hard to win the division if you don't beat Green Bay at home. Uh, because mm -hmm. you're kind of digging yourself like a two-game hole there and potentially a three-game hole if you don't win the Lambeau game and now you've lost the tiebreaker and just two games other than that that you have to make up on Green Bay, you have to beat Green Bay at, at U.S. Bank Stadium. But Green Bay is an 11-win team in the over-unders um, on DraftKings right now. So, like, that is projected to be a good team. So, say you lose that game. You know, it's your first game with, you know, playing under these new schemes, a lot of adjustment. Now you head to Philly on Monday night. Philly is a nine-and-a-half-win team. Uh for DraftKings right now. You get a little bit of a reprieve. You play the Lions week three. You probably expect to win that one. And then you play New Orleans. Well, that's an eight and a half win team. Um, and then you play the Bears. And then you go Dolphins. Well, that's a nine win team in Miami. And then you then you host the Cardinals, a playoff team from a year ago. That's a nine win team uh, by DraftKings. These are all like teams that are supposed to be playoff caliber here in, in five of these first seven weeks or so. Um, that's tough. Uh, you, could, you could find yourself digging a pretty quick hole early on, just as you're trying to, you know, everybody's acclimating to these new schemes. You're trying to get things going like Kirk Cousins in a new offense, uh, how it all works out, how quickly they mesh is going to be a huge thing because if it doesn't, if they, if it does take a little while to get going, if it does take a little while for Cousins and this offense to jive, if it does take a while to figure out exactly which pieces fit best defensively here, you could all of a sudden be in a hole where you're two and four and you're like, I don't know. It's a pretty uphill climb on just to get to the playoffs. So I think how quickly they start, you would understand if it's slow, but it can't afford to be slow. And I think that's a concern heading into this as well. All right. Back with inside purple and gold, Jace Frederick, Damian Zutani here talking Vikings looking forward now, finally to the regular season uh, like follow subscribe to this podcast on any of your favorite platforms. As we kind of ramp this thing up and we look towards not only the regular season, but that 20, that uh, September 11th week one battle with green Bay. Okay. Dan, that's enough negativity. We just discussed. Yeah, we we're pretty pessimistic there. Yeah. And that was the whole point of it. If you say like, wow, these guys think the Vikings are going to stink. 
we were just trying to say what could go wrong. And now we're going to look at what could go right. Try to finish up high. Look at the glass a little half full here. Why could everything be exactly what the Vikings exactly? Probably more so with the Wilfs as much as anything else in vision of, I think they clearly made a statement this offseason with their moves, you know, with wanting to keep Kirk Cousins. Um, the roster largely stayed intact. Uh, you have to think that was kind of a mandate from ownership of we think we're close uh, to being where we want to be, to contending for things in the playoffs, um, making a push for a Super Bowl. What is the path to that? Because I do think it exists that this team, if all, if everything broke just right, this could be an 11-win team that wins the division, that's hosting playoff games. And with that, comes an opportunity to make a push deep into January. But what has to happen for that to be the case? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I think the glass half full answer is that Kevin O'Connell and his presence and his new age thinking from the offensive side of the ball and his ability to get to delegate on the defensive side of the ball and understand that's not his expertise. I think the glass half full approach of how this season goes different is that all of that adds up to wins in the close games last year, because while it's a cherry picked stat, because it's not, you can't just say, Oh, the Vikings lost a bunch of close games last year. If you just turn those to wins, they would be really good because yeah. you know what? They won a lot of close games too. And if you turn those to losses, they'd be even worse. So I, I don't think it's as easy as just being like Kevin O'Connell is going to come in and he's going to win because he's so positive and upbeat and the culture's different. The Vikings, the Vikings are going to win all the games they lost under Zimmer. But I think that's what you're hoping is that Kevin O'Connell is that X factor as far as being able to elevate guys. We talked that Kirk Cousins doesn't necessarily elevate guys on his own. Maybe Kevin O'Connell is someone that can elevate Kirk. Maybe Kevin O'Connell is someone that can use Dalvin Cook not just as a running back, but in the slot, as a receiver, get him the ball in space. Maybe Kevin O'Connell is a guy that can use Justin Jefferson and turn him into a Cooper Cup like Adam Thielen and turn him into someone like Robert Woods, who is producing at a high level. It's it's probably, you have to be cautiously optimistic if you're thinking that way, because Kevin O'Connell is not Sean McVay just because he came from that tree. But there are if he is who the Vikings think he is or who, who the Vikings hope he is, then yeah, you can look at the offensive side of the ball and say, we're going to be really good this year. We have so many weapons. I think a lot of that hinges on the offensive line holding up, um, which is something that we talked about that we're a little concerned about. Um, but I think how this season and, and how the Vikings take a huge step, if you want to be positive and, and think about this thing optimistically 
is that Kevin O'Connell is, is kind of the X factor here and is someone that can elevate the whole team around him. Yeah. And I think like Kevin O'Connell having past experience with Kirk Cousins, even in Washington, um, Kevin O'Connell having a season with Jared Goff um, with LA um, and, and Jared Goff performing at not a phenomenal level, but a good enough level where there was offensive production um, and, and they still made the playoffs and they won a game in the playoffs. And um, I, I, I'm not somebody who like trashes on Jared Goff and says, Hey, that's a bad quarterback. Like I, I think he's, he's, you know, a top 20, any top 25 guy is, you know, a fine quarterback. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, and golf is in that category, but anyway, like Kevin O'Connell's had success uh, with different quarterbacks and helped maximize Matthew Stafford, who obviously has insane on insane arm talent. We saw all the things he can do. Like that's clearly a player, uh, but Kevin O'Connell knows Kirk cousins knows what he can do, what he can't do. It seems like given off of his past now, like, like, like you mentioned, he's not Sean McVay, but he clearly played a pretty big hand in maximizing everything that the Rams did these last couple seasons. And there's a mm-hmm. lot here to maximize. Like Kirk cousins is a very productive NFL quarterback, um, especially when things are all set up just right. And who's to say Kevin O'Connell can't do his best to make sure they're set up correctly more often than not. You look at a team that has Dalvin cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, Irv Smith, that's a lot of weapons. There are a lot of different things that O'Connell can do with that grouping. And it was pretty vanilla in the preseason and we didn't even see any of the guys there. I think we could see a lot more creativity, a lot more easy throws generated for cousins to get these playmakers, the ball in situations where they can make things happen as well. Like on the games where I think Minnesota's offense is overmatched. Oh, offensive line is overmatched, which there were a few of those last year. And they always stuck out like sore thumbs because nothing happened. I think O'Connell is more equipped to find different ways to attack offensively in which, you know, quick strike, whatever the case may be, maybe it's involving the screen. Maybe it's just different quick strike passes, uh, you know, to get Jefferson Osborne, the ball in space and let them try to make plays. I think there'll be more of that. I think there'll be less of a hindrance of, well, can't hold the ball for two and a half seconds. So what are we going to do? Because it really felt like Minnesota then was just like, well, we might as well pack it up and head home because we can't do anything offensively today. I think they will be in better shape to be more consistent, to play, to have less stinkers. Like Kirk Cousins has had stinkers. I do think part of that is that Minnesota's coaching staff didn't exactly set him up for success in those situations because there was never, it never looked like Minnesota offensively with play calling game planning was trying to do less with more, uh, uh, excuse me, more with less. You never want to do less with more Uh, to do more with less. uh, I think this group might be able to do that. That's one thing that can go very right. But what about, yeah, go ahead. And then we'll get into the defense. Yeah, no, and I was going to say, just like the creativity on the offensive standpoint, right. too, right? Like it's lacked. It has lacked. It past. lacked. Zimmer wanted, Zimmer knew his defense, which was his bread and butter, was aging out. So his goal to make sure his defense looked better was to hold the ball as long as possible on offense. And that's why he committed to Dalvin Cook in the running game so much. Yes, Dalvin Cook's really good, but you don't need to run up the middle, run a halfback dive, you know, you know to the length that that Minnesota would continuously do it almost like running your head into a wall over and over and over again. The the reasons that they did that were almost to protect the defense. I think there's just going to be more creativity from this new staff, which could, you know, carry over to the rest of the team as well. If the offense is scoring, obviously the defense is going to be better. So that leads to the defense. Yeah. And just one thing on the offensive line, like we've talked about the question marks on it. It could be better. It really could be like, you know, a top 15 offensive line, just in the fact that if Christian Derrissaw is a player, you know, Brian O'Neill is a player. If Christian Derrissaw mm-hmm. is a player, if he ends up being that, if he ends up being what he was drafted to be, 
and frankly, like looked like in certain spots last year, like he had some highlights. Uh, now you have bookend tackles. Even if the interior does have some struggles, like you can kind of compensate for that. But if you have those bookend tackles that everyone in the NFL is looking for, it's a great place to start. It's hard to be really bad um, if that's the case. Mm-hmm. If you can kind of leave your tackles on islands, maybe double up somebody on the interior, help out Bradbury if he's really struggling. Like there are there are pathways for that offensive line being much better, which will unlock so many different things as well. Uh, defensively, for me, it just comes – the upside is what we've always talked about the upside being. Yep. It's the Darius Smith and Daniel Hunter. I mean, you might have two top 20 uh, rushers in the NFL, and Daniel Hunter is a top 10 guy. Um, so if you have that, it's hard to be bad, frankly. Those guys are erasers of issues. Um, they are guys who can both post double-digit sack totals easily. And I think the 3-4 scheme, we know it works with Darius Smith. We've seen that. Um, I think Daniel Hunter could absolutely thrive in it as well. Um, I think they could be moved around to where they can't be negated. They can help each other out. Um, I, I am not totally sold on Minnesota in any other part, uh, middle linebacker, secondary, even the, the interior of the defensive line. But I think defensive end, uh, the edge rush is kind of can make or break things to where I don't expect this defense to be good. I just don't. I don't think it has a path to being a top 10 defense. I think it can be middle of the road just with those two guys and the way that they can kind of wreak havoc on a game. And uh, I would say – my optimism for the defense is even higher than yours. Like because of just the, the edge rushers though. Like I do think that if you have two guys that can blow up plays consistently, you can push yourself to the fringe of like a top 10 defense. Maybe it's not as easy as saying Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith are each going to get three sacks a game, but I think consistent quarterback pressures and against good teams, like the Vikings defense is probably going to be, if it's middle of the road, good, good, good enough, it's going to be good enough to look good, look great sometimes against bad teams, right? So what you need is for Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith to be dominant against, you know, a Green Bay Packers team that maybe you're a little overmatched against, uh, you know, across the board to show up on a Monday night football game against the Philadelphia Eagles and make Jalen Hurts look extremely uncomfortable. Uh, And I think just, looking at a pass rush alone and, and we've said it, we sound like broken records, like time and time again can make the, all the difference in the world, not only for your defense looking good, but for the off the opposing offense looking bad. And, and that sounds like so well, duh. But I think back to that Super Bowl between the Kansas city chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't think the Buccaneers were like a, a world beating defense that year, but they were really good off the edge. They were really good at rushing the passer. And by the middle of that Super Bowl game, Patrick Mahomes looked like a completely different quarterback. So I think if you have a pass rush, even if you're not getting a sack every single play, you can get in the head of of, of opposing quarterbacks sometimes just by nature of like, is this the time, you know, how much time am I going to have? So I think that I'm just pretty much echoing your point, but I think that there is a, there is even a ceiling high, a little bit higher than a middle of the road defense. If things break right, if these guys all stay healthy, if those two guys stay healthy in particular. The the thing with those two guys, because here's why I don't think it can be like a dominant defense or even close to it. They got absolutely destroyed by opposing running 
games last year. I don't really see how that's going to change. Um, may, maybe it does, but I don't. I, I think they will be a bad rush defense again. But you don't have to be a good rush defense to be a decent NFL defense. Um, you can get pulverized again and again and again and lose the game of physicality. But with a good offense, a lot of times you just need like that one key stop. And that's what mm-hmm. this team was missing so many times last year. How do you get that one stop in the final five, six minutes of a game? Uh, to close a game out or to get the ball back maybe in a tie game and let your offense go score, whatever the case may be. You do that by putting pressure on the quarterback. Um, and and that's that's exactly what Hunter and Smith can do. They can get you not every stop. You might still give up 20 points because, you know, the other team ran for, you know, I don't know, 170 yards, whatever the case may be. But can you make the one big stop? Can you protect a three-point lead with four minutes to play? Um, you know, when when the other team is spreading it out and trying to move down the field in a two-minute situation, whatever. Uh, that's where having edge rushers, not having to blitz, um, and just be able to create pressure up front, it's huge. Um, and that's and that's where I my I, my path to success. And you can kind of give yours here, but optimism for Minnesota is that it's like fifteenth defensively in points, yards, whatever the case may be. And then a top five offense. And I think those are both possible. Um, and if you have that, if you have, you know, maybe the fourth best offense in the NFL and the 14th best defense, you're a playoff team and you're a legitimate threat. That's where I think like, okay, here's where things can go right for Minnesota. And this can be a team that without making a ton of personnel moves makes a huge jump this season. Yeah. And I think that that's probably where I would land too. Like you, as your ceiling as an offense you'd hope with the weapons you had, you mentioned them. Obviously Kirk Cousins running the show, but Dalvin Cook at running back, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne at receiver, and and, and Irv Smith at tight end. He looks like he'll be healthy for week one. It's not the best offense in the world as far as talent and you know weapons goes, but it's up there as far as just sheer weapons, like guys we can use to get the ball to. So that, that is a, a potential pathway. They could be a top five offense. I don't think that would be a shock to anyone. And, and yeah, you're right. Like if their defense can be, I think they could be a little bit higher than, than maybe you think they can be. But as long as they are a middle of the road team capable of getting that, that one big stop a game or, you know, the, the, the getting after the quarterback enough to make them uncomfortable throughout a game beating the bad teams and making them look like bad teams. I think that's a hallmark of a good team too, is like not just screwing around with the bad, like just putting them to bed right away. Uh, there is a pathway for them being an 11 win football team, maybe 12. I don't know. Like we will go through the schedule game by game as, as, as we near the season here. Um, we have a couple of weeks before the regular season. I'm sure that'll be an episode and a segment where we just kind of go through game by game of the season, how it's going to go. Um, but there's bad teams in the NFL, and, and if the Vikings can beat those bad teams and, and, and sneak a couple wins against the good ones and, and look good every so often you know, against a, a top-tier one, um, yeah, they can get to 11 wins. And I think that probably is going to be led more than anything by the offense, but, but the defense needs to show up as well. All right, that's all we have for today's episode. I'll plenty more offensive talk, I think, on Tuesday as we break down that side of the football. Kind of as the general offensive preview, we'll get a little bit more into those offensive line concerns and possibilities for optimism. Um, look at that skill positions and where exactly that does stack up in terms of top NFL teams with the weapons this team has. Uh, we'll start pulling out props. Um, there are plenty of those on, on offensive players, and we can dive into our thoughts on each one. I do think that is the best 
one of the better ways that you can actually define your optimisms for certain players, um, setting benchmarks and, hey, do they go over or under them? So we'll have a lot of fun with that. Chart all those out. That will be on Tuesday's episode. You'll want to catch that edition of Inside Purple and Gold. The best way to do that is to subscribe and follow this podcast. Make sure you're getting all of them into your uh, podcast app on your phone. That's all for today's episode. For Jace Frederick, Dane Mizutani, this has been Inside Purple and Gold. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 